This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and Saints fans. Training camp is so close. Rookies reporting. Veterans are coming in. And pretty soon we will be standing out in the unbearable heat, maybe in the indoor facility sometimes. But, Jeff, uh, lots to finally be looking forward to. We've been counting down for this, it seems like, forever. Um, But definitely excited to get a look at the black and gold, the Saints team coming in next week. So much stuff to talk about once we do uh, finally start witnessing these practices. Yeah, and so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about, you know, the – what the latest on you know when rookies report when veterans report that sort of thing i also want to get into a rant about why the franchise tag is just gross and we can that's the big story of the week is no one wants to pay any running backs and so i was gonna gonna say that it's not a good good uh, time to be a running back mama don't let your babies grow up to be running backs no i mean it's like it's got to be so demoralizing if you're you know one of these running backs but we'll we'll get into that a little bit we're also going to have in the second segment we're going to play a recorded interview that we did with scott shanley the former saints linebacker and then segment three we're gonna do the whole madden ratings thing we got several positions for the newest madden and we're gonna kind of go through and talk about some of the grades and what they all mean and how bad they are and and that sort of thing um but first things first yeah so the saints rookies reported we're recording this on tuesday today and i know we're a day late uh i I do want to apologize for being a day late i got stranded in austin i went out of town for the weekend i got stranded in austin ended up having to rent a car and driving overnight back to New Orleans. Got home at 4.30 a.m. on Monday. Uh, and so I, in my, in, in, initially I was like, oh, I'm awake. Maybe I'll just record a podcast. And I was literally just like sitting at my desk, like dozing. I've never done that before. I was just sitting here, like trying to like write something. And then I would just be like, oh, okay. And I was like, you know what? This is probably not a podcast day. So we're coming to you a day late I am mostly recaffeinated and recharged. <laughs> and so the Saints rookies are reporting today. This is Tuesday they were recording. And so with that in mind, I expect you hear, maybe even before this podcast posts, Isaiah Foskey has agreed to a contract because if he's in town, <laughs> this is the time. You're going to want to get this done before training camp. So I, I have a feeling he's going to sign that contract pretty soon. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's no reason to panic yet on that front uh, pretty much. There's zero uh, reason believe, to panic on that front. I, I, no I believe. Yeah. 
I, I believe it's pretty much slotted of what he's gonna make, you know, considering uh, I'm I'm sure most of the other picks around him are in. Yeah, it's just a question of guaranteed money on the back end of the deal. And it's kind of a game of chicken with all these second round picks because they're kind of waiting to see what other guys agree to and so that they can use that as leverage for their own contract. And so if, you know, the pick right before Isaiah Foskey agrees to his contract and it's this much guaranteed money, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard for him to ask for much more than that, but he doesn't want to underplay it. And so that's kind of what it is, but that's all it is. He's going to sign that deal. He's not going to not sign a contract. Jeff Duncan of Noah.com reported that all the rookies are here. So that's the sign that you're going to, you're going to get that contract done. But beyond that, players with injury designations report on Thursday, which would be the 20th. And I don't know exactly who qualifies for an injury designation, but I imagine players like Mike Thomas, Trevor Penning, Cesar Ruiz, Kendra Miller, Miller Forrestal, Eno Benjamin. Basically, the guys who did not practice during minicamp will be among that group that reports on Thursday. Hey y'all, Jeff Nowak here. Just a quick aside, I'm recording this after the full podcast just to add some information that came out today regarding the rookies reporting. The Saints announced that they'll be putting running back Kendra Miller and wide receivers A.T. Perry and Shaq Davis on the non-football injury list. And they will also be adding offensive lineman Nick Saldaveri and defensive back Anthony Johnson to the physically unable to perform list. I've seen a lot of people overreacting to this information. As far as Kendra Miller is concerned, I'm fairly certain that what you're looking at here is he suffered an injury in college and they're putting him on the non-football injury list because for it to be a football injury, it would have had to have occurred with his NFL team. The name is confusing here, but even though it happened during a football game, it happened in college. And so I believe you're still talking about the same knee injury as we have been throughout camp. With Shaq Davis and A.T. Perry, it's a little more concerning because that would indicate that they have suffered injuries since the close of minicamp. It could also be an illness. You never know, but that's going to be something to watch. With Saldaveri and Johnson, the pup list means that they suffered those injuries during practice. And realistically speaking, it doesn't actually mean they're going to miss any time, if you recall. Last year with Mike Thomas, he was put on the pup list and then was out there for the first day of camp. So I think what the Saints do here is if they have someone that they think might have to start on the pup list or the non-football injury list, then they will put them on there and see what happens. There's no harm in doing that. They can come off at any point, but it'll obviously be it will obviously be something to watch. Dennis Allen and Kendra Miller have indicated that they expected him back for the start of camp. So if he is not there, then that means that there was at least some kind of setback in terms of the timeline, but we won't know for sure until they take the field for practice on July 26th. All right, y'all, back to the pod. Yeah, and I mean, the big one, obviously, we are all got our fingers crossed and are hoping for the best for Michael Thomas for the season. You know, even when the start of training camp does, the, that first practice is going to come. There's going to be that little bit of a ramp up period too till we finally get in pads. So, you know, everyone's excited for the start of things, but it's really, it'll be a little tad longer till we really start getting to see uh, some really good action on the practice field. Agreed. Um, and yeah, a guy like Mike Thomas, I don't expect him to be a full go on day one, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Even if physically he could, and I think probably he would tell you that physically he could be a full go. I think they're going to play it safe for them because there's no reason not to. You're kind of just trying to get him to the point where he is a full go 
by the time you hit the preseason, by the time you hit the actual games. And so we're going to see the rest of the roster, which and, and the, the players that may be in that group that I'm not sure of, guys like Chris Olave, Rashid Jaheed, I don't know if they would technically have an injury designation, but they did deal with injuries during minicamp. So we'll see. Um, Nick Saldaveri is in that group too. But the rest of the roster will report on Tuesday. I expect we will hear from Mickey Loomis that day. And then the full practice, the first practice will be that following Wednesday, which would be what, the 26th? Correct, sir. And yeah, so as far as we know, and this is the time where you're like, wow, is anyone going to hold out? I, I don't think that there's a sliver of a chance that anyone on the Saints holds out. But there are probably going to be some holdouts across the NFL. At least one, it feels likely, which is Saquon Barkley, the running back for the Giants. He didn't come to an agreement on a deal with his team, with the Giants, prior to the deadline. And now the idea is he's going to play this season on the franchise tag. The same will be true of Tony Pollard for the Cowboys, which is crazy to me they can work out a deal with him considering they let Zeke go. But he is expected to play on the franchise tag. And then Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. Again, it's like you can't work out a deal with these guys. And to me, it's gross because you're not, you know, the, the running back market is not huge to begin with. It's not like anyone's out there asking for $20 million a season. And the reason they're having a difficult time working out a deal is because from a team perspective, it's more value to them to play this guy on an unsecured contract beyond that year, just in case he tears up his knee and then they won't have to pay him. But what is that message that you're sending to the player, right? Like if you're, if you're Saquon Barkley, and your team is projecting that they are not willing to pay you, but they expect you to show up and put your body on the line for that one year, which is a good size deal, but not when you consider like, well, what, what, what about after this year, right? I'm 25 years old, 26 years old. <laughs> what if I have a career-ending injury and I have nothing securing that? It's just like, how, how, can, you, how can you feel like this team has my back? Because they don't. They clearly don't. Look at Le'Veon Bell. Right. Like that whole Steelers situation, it was yeah. eight years ago. Right. It feels forever ago, but it's like the same shit is happening today that happened then. And nothing has been done to mitigate it. Nothing has been done to be like, well, you're right. The running backs are really getting boned in this scenario and we're going to fix it. No, nothing has been done. And if you're a running back in the NFL, how, how do you how do you feel like you're valued? Right. <laughs> if you're considering a position change in high school. <laughs> from running back to literally any other position. You should do it. Do it right now. I, I was definitely surprised. You know, obviously there's a big buzz and talking point uh, over social media too. Uh, Saquon Barkley, just 26 years old still. Well, I mean, he's been in the league for five years. He played on the one-year option, the team option that they picked up. And now he's going to do his sixth season and has still not reached tree agency. Has still not reached a point where he can secure a long-term deal for himself. And when you're a running back... That second contract is probably the only big one you're going to get. You, if you are, you have to be a very rare person to get to yeah. a third contract at the running back position. You know, you, you have to be from a, from a durability perspective. You know, and if this was a Madden rating, which we're going to get into, your durability rating would have to be a 99 to even get to a third contract that is more than the veteran minimum. Look at a guy like David Johnson, like Todd Gurley. Guys just disappear. Because you fall off a cliff that quickly at that physically demanding of a position. 
And now you're telling these players that there is the potential for you to not get that option until your eighth NFL season. If you are a first round pick, a four year contract, plus the, t- plus the team option, plus a franchise tag, plus the option for a second franchise tag. If the team is willing to pay through the nose, which is ridiculous considering they wouldn't pay through the nose a year earlier to give you a guaranteed deal, which would have cost them probably less. So (laughs) it's just the least player friendly position in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I look at it kind of from the perspective of, you know, you can talk all the trash you want about how the saints operate relative to the salary cap and how they push money forward and they do all of this. And it's a Ponzi scheme. It's whatever. What you, what you can also say about it is they are the most player forward organization in terms of guaranteeing money and paying their players the money that they owe them. They're not going to cut Alvin Kamara, whatever sum of money like the, like the Vikings did, right? Like one of the reasons they can't is because they can't because of how they operate. And, and so it's not necessarily like if they had the chance to save $10 million to cut Alvin Kamara, maybe they would, but if they wanted that option, they would have to not renegotiate their contract. So whether it's a whether it is a player forward idea or just the byproduct of what they do being player forward if i'm a player who doesn't want to get screwed over at the running back position say i don't know jamal williams why wouldn't i go to the saints right and it's just i just i think it's disgusting how how it, how how it goes in the nfl and you know i don't know if there are any solutions but i think the franchise tag if i am a player if i'm a running back and i'm going into the next labor negotiations i'm just like the franchise tech needs to go, at least for the running back position, because that's the only position it gets used on anyway. Yeah, the backs just seem to be like, we get you, we get you in here, we use you, abuse you, use you, and then spit you out and let you go somewhere else kind of thing and start all over again with another young running back. It, it's a tough position. We all know the abuse that running backs take, but man, to see even you know, 25, 26-year-olds not being able to cash in on the market is definitely absurd. And I, I really don't understand because you always hear, obviously, you need a top-notch defense in this league to be successful. And you sure as hell need a run game to keep other teams honest and being able to, you know, control the clock a hell of a lot more. <laughs> but do you need a star running back to execute that run game? And that's the question I think most NFL teams will answer with no. No, right, yeah. And... You know, I, like I, someone responded to me on, on Twitter, which is like, well, isn't the issue that no one's getting paid at running back, not just these players? Because, you know, guys like Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt are still struggling to find deals. And I, I think, yes, that is an issue, but it's like I can understand why NFL teams are hesitant to shell out significant long-term money at the running back position, even though it's complete bullshit. This is a, a billion-dollar organization that is worried about paying its players. These deals are non-guaranteed anyway. It's the only major sport in America that doesn't guarantee at least the majority of its contracts. And there, and this is the one where it has the highest injury risk and they don't have to guarantee their deals. Anyway, you know, you, you look at it and say, I can understand that. But, you know, and Leonard Fournette's a bad example, but Dalvin Cook already got his second deal, right? His, his big time deal, right? So he's just waiting around for the right opportunity Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard have not had that chance. And now they're being asked to go and put their bodies on the line for a team that has no commitment to them beyond this season. So what 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 would stop the Giants from overloading him with an unreasonable amount of touches in a season where they're like, yeah, whatever, it's not a problem after this year, right? right. Like what the Rams did to Todd Gurley. 
which ended his career real fast. Like he had an insane workload. And then all of a sudden he is not, he doesn't exist anymore. Well, why do you think that is? Well, (laughs) you have to be cognizant of how much work you are putting on these running backs. And if you have no reason to be that way, what's stopping them from just giving Saquon Barkley this ridiculous workload. And and then suddenly he can't get that deal after that. So I understand I I am a hundred percent on board with the running backs who might be holding out. Like if I'm Saquon, I'm not showing up to camp. Not. But then you start incurring fines, obviously. It's like, what can running backs do, though? Exactly. And the, the fact of the matter is the team has all the power. And and yeah. um, like the only way you can really make it hurt is by missing games. And that's going to cost you a heck of a lot more than, you know, it's going to cost your team, uh, especially if it works. <laughs> and they still run the ball well. You know, like Le'Veon Bell, he, he, he actually did hold out. And he never, I mean... Never came back the same dude. No, he, I, he never made an impact again in the NFL. Not once. I thought it's like I, he ended up on the Chiefs, and I was like, "Wow, perfect, good for the Chiefs." It didn't didn't make an impact there. I don't know, man. But like, like if you're wondering whether like guys like Alvin Kamara, you know, these stars that had, did get that big second contract are are on board. He Alvin was out there retweeting Derrick Henry yesterday. Der, the tweet from Derrick Henry said, "At this point, just take the running back position out of the game." Then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give it their all to an organization just seems like it doesn't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. And he was quote tweeting a tweet from Matt Miller that said, been saying it for years, draft a running back, play the running back. If he's good, franchise tag the running back one time and then draft a running back. And it's like, yeah, from a fantasy football perspective, fantastic. From the perspective of this is a human being, it's gross. It's gross that you can hold a guy hostage that you're not willing to pay. And it's like the Saints don't really use the franchise tag, but they paid Alvin. They paid Mike Thomas, right? They pay their players. They paid Jamal Williams. You know, a guy who was getting lowballed by the Lions. There was one other tweet, and it's from Christian McCaffrey. Again, another guy who got his deal and has gotten a lot of money. This is criminal. Three of the best players in the entire league, regardless of the position he's talking about. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. And I just think, you know, it's like the NFL is playing with fire, I think, from a labor perspective. And... You know, they got through the last labor negotiations barely without missing games. They added another week to the season there. You know, it's like this is a league that is is as a higher percentage chance to to end your life than probably any. And that includes like NASCAR, you know, like you know, high speed performance racing. And and you're treating your players like, you know, they're less than those cars that you're crashing. And uh, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's just wild to me to think even, you know, what does a team like the Giants have behind Barkley that they're going to rely on at running back? Is it still Matt Breida? Yeah, they don't really have anything. Right. So, and And I think this is a really big season for them. And even with Dallas, too, they let Zeke walk. So you got Pollard there. And then, I mean, what else are you doing? I I, I don't know. Uh, It it, it becomes difficult this late in the game. I think that's the problem you're running into is like teams are not prepared to sign someone to an extension at right before training camp this way. Um, and, and, and it will have to hit this year, right? That's the other thing. It's like, it's not, so the saints are pretty good about doling out extensions the year prior to when they would become a immediate problem. But with the franchise tag, it's not like they have that year where it's like, Oh, this is, you're dealing with this next year. If you sign someone to a contract, off the franchise tag, that franchise tag is gone. And your first year of that deal is right now. 
And it's tough when you're when you're working close to the cap like the Saints do regularly. You're not going to see that happen. They did t- franchise tag Marcus Williams, and then they couldn't work out a deal with him. But you know, you, you're as a safety. Like, look at Tyron Matthew. He's 31 years old. He's still going strong. Like, you can you can survive that one year and still feel like, oh, I can get a very lucrative long term deal after this. I still don't like it, but at least at another position, you'll see it. But like the only other major franchise tag question that I've seen that I remember. Um, it was weird was Kirk Cousins, who you rarely see quarterbacks get the franchise tag because it's expensive. And he got it twice from Washington. They paid him a lot. And then he went out and signed the deal with Minnesota. But I just think, you know, it, it's funny because if the franchise tag didn't exist, and that's why I think the franchise tag, and I know it's a long rant, but I just, it pisses me off. If the franchise tag didn't exist, the Giants would have signed Saquon Barkley to a long-term extension. Right. I can't see how they wouldn't. They would have to. Right, Because the franchise tag exists, there's value in making sure that if he gets hurt, you don't have to pay him. And that's gross to me. It's gross. And you don't have to guarantee the deals anyway. It's being used because it can be used. And, you know, if I'm, I don't know, like I, the, the NFLPA has, is so weak relative to the other leagues. Like you look at baseball contracts and the amount people get paid and the fact that it's 100% guaranteed for like 10 years. And then you look at the NFL and it's like you can barely get a three-year deal with like two years of guarantees on the front of it. And you might end up with a traumatic brain injury. Um, <laughs> it's like the, the the NFL labor union needs to step its game up, especially from a running back perspective. And that's it. This is a long rant about something that doesn't actually affect the Saints because they have their guys under contract and they are not trying to screw them over with a franchise tag. But I just I, I had to get that out. Um, so, yeah, there it is. I mean, this could eventually. How, how many more years are left on Camara's deal? Oh, I'm not sure. That's yeah, scary. I wasn't sure offhand either. Sorry. It's just, I mean, Alvin's not getting another deal from the Saints, I would guess. Which is scary, right? I mean, I think it's reasonable. I think that's fair relative to what fairness is to the running back position, because nothing's really fair at the running back position. <laughs> the amount of work you do versus the amount that other people get paid around you is crazy. Like no, running yeah, back. Yeah. Get hurt every year. Yeah, we see all, even a guy like Mark Ingram. He left and ended up coming back, kind of thing. So there's two years left after this one on Alvin's deal. I would expect that you have one more year out of Alvin in 2024, and then you're probably moving on. He that will be his age 29 season. Most running backs don't get much beyond that. I think Alvin actually has a chance to be one of those running backs who gets a decent third contract because of when you get to that age, you're probably a third down back. And he has the skill set to be an elite third down back even later into his career. Think of like a Shane Vereen, right? Like he could do the things that Shane Vereen did to, to really have a long career in the NFL, even after he stops being able to be that bell cow. But yeah, so I mean, like I think you drafted Kendry Miller with that in mind. Kendry will be the, the big guy after, after Alvin's done. But either way, like Alvin has made money. Like he had $33 million guaranteed on that deal. His contract was five years, $75 million. That was his second deal. This, that's the deal that, that guys like Saquon and Josh Jacobs aren't being allowed to go get. And that's why, you know, if I'm running back and I get drafted in the first round, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> right? Like, say, like Alvin's in the third round. One of the reasons he was able to go sign that deal is because you can't, there's no, there's no um, team option on those deals right. after the first round. Right. And so like he actually he didn't get paid nearly as much on his initial deal, but he was able to hit free agency in a lot of cases two or three years earlier than guys like Saquon Barkley. Um, so yeah. 
if I'm a running back and I have a team calling me up at like the 28th pick, I'm like, uh, do you mind? Would you mind um, waiting until the next round? <laughs> yeah, what's wild to me, and I was like, I, I keep looking when those that list of available free agents is still as you know comes out, and you see it. I don't know. To me, a name like Dalvin Cook makes my mouth drop just because of what a study is in fantasy football. He'll sign somewhere, right? Like, I, that's I, the I get weird it with thing. Fournette. He's got a little more tread on the tire, kind of let, you know, worn on the tire. You know, I I, I kind of look at it like I, I imagine. For a guy like Dalvin, who I don't think there's any question about the contribution he can make. And running back is a position that you can show up real late in the game and pick things up quickly. It's not a complex position like quarterback, like offensive line, or even wide receiver where you have to have really a a high-quality connection with that quarterback and timing and how you get in and out of your breaks and stuff like that. Like As a running back, you can show up midway through the season and contribute quickly. So what's Christian McCaffrey did last year in San Francisco? So if I'm a running back, I was like, yeah, I don't need to sign somewhere right now. I'll wait because what happens when a guy gets hurt and this, this team's like, well, now we need a running back. And so you're not all there. Like, you are the top, especially at the top of the market. A guy like Fournette, um, I'm not sure why he's available. If he's, uh, he, he's, he's a little older, right? He, yeah. But he'll sign somewhere. Either way, I think that's if – I, if I was on the market as a running back, that's what I would do. Like, I don't think Dalvin Cook – is on the market right now because no one will sign him. I think he just understands that his value will only go up the closer to the season we get. Yeah, because I'm I'm definitely one of the teams I'd be buying. I'm all about having Dalvin Cook. Yeah, but right now you would have to buy at his price, and they're <laughs> not going to do that. So right, I got you. Anyway, but that's it. That's a really long rant about running backs. It's in the news right now, so so it makes sense. But all right, we're going to come back and we're going to have a recorded interview that Steve and I did with Scott Shanley. Thought it was a really good interview, so I'm looking forward to playing that for y'all. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's Steve Geller at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. And we'll be coming back with that Scott Shanley interview, then get into some more meaningless nonsense about Madden ratings. Stick around. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Thanks for sitting through that long franchise tag rant. But I feel better about it. Hopefully you do too. Uh, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. And here we are going to play you some archived content. Not really archived. It's only like four days old. But me and Steve got to sit down with Scott Shanley, former Saints Super Bowl champion linebacker, and went over you know his expectations for the team, especially at the linebacker position, because it's obviously something that he has a strong connection with he was a seventh round pick and he played for multiple years with the saints and you know we kind of like we look at his story and it's not that dissimilar to what happened with Caden ellis the only difference is the saints drafted Caden ellis scott shanley was actually drafted elsewhere and then came to the saints but you know i think i i respect his opinion a lot so here is that interview enjoy super bowl champion scott shanley so thankful to have you how you doing my man so scott i'm doing good 
Uh, we're getting ready for training camp around here, counting down uh, the days. I know next week the rookies are reporting. After that, it's the veterans, and then we'll be in full swing. We've been complaining about the heat here, and I know it's it's not going to get any cooler kind of thing. But when you look at this black and gold team heading into 2023, a b- bunch of new additions on the offense and defensive side of the football, most notably, obviously, at quarterback Derek Carr. There's also some new coaches brought into the mix as well. What do you think, though, is the biggest challenge or the biggest obstacle facing this black and gold squad heading into this year? Well, you know, I think the biggest obstacle after going through last year was staying healthy, you know, throughout the majority of the team, but but really in the offensive line, because, you know, not many teams in the NFL can can go out there with, there's nothing against the guys that went out on the field last year, but when you're putting third and fourth string linemen on the field in the NFL, that, that's hard to win games. It's hard to, to control the, the line of scrimmage against elite defensive linemen. And, you know, to me on paper, the Saints have the best team in the NFC South. I think you're very realistic uh, of thinking that it's obtainable to winning the NFC South. You got the best quarterback in the division. I think you have the best roster. You had a great draft. I thought you addressed some areas, um, especially along the defensive line. A lot of people were concerned about the lack of depth once Davenport. I know Davenport didn't play a lot, but you start losing guys along that defensive line that have played a lot of football over the years. And then you get concerned, but I think they did a great job of addressing it early in the draft. And um, so I'm excited about the defensive line. You know, I think the defense can, can be the strength of this team again, but obviously everybody always looks at the quarterback and I'm excited about, about the, the quarterback position and, and that kind of the missing piece of the puzzle when it comes to running this West coast offense that Pete Carmichael runs. Yeah, so Scott last year, I think the big, you know, just kind of aha moment was finding Caden Ellis as he filled in for Pete Werner. I know you were also a seventh round pick. You kind of found your way. I think it's an interesting journey as guys get into the NFL. And it's more about development than just raw talent, I think, when you get into that part of the draft and you're just finding traits. This year's linebacker group, it feels thin. And I think this is a team that is, again, kind of counting on its development in that room to carry that position behind DeMario and Pete. I'm just curious, you know, from your experience, from what you saw from Caden, from what you see from the linebackers this year, what are some of the keys you're looking for in at that position behind the starters? Yeah, I, I think... You know, for one, I think a lot has changed over the past five to ten years when it comes to the linebacker position. First and foremost, it's no longer a three or four linebacker right. league. I think, you know, you're not looking at playing a whole lot of big, heavy personnel where you need three or four linebackers on the field the entire game. It's not like the, the game is different. You have two linebackers. If you have two three-down linebackers, which the Saints do, as good as anybody in the league, Mind you, I mean, Pete Werner was was probably playing as good a football as anybody on this defense until he got hurt last year. And then DeMario's been outstanding. But you point to Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis, he was a guy who took advantage of every rep that he he had. Big year for him because he was going to be a free agent. And so he got on the field and and played his best football when it mattered the most for him, and and it paid off for him. But I think as long as you can keep Warner and DeMario Davis healthy and those guys can be on the field because they are true three-down linebackers, I think you have a chance to to run anything defensively. You can run man. You can run zone. They're great blitzers. They can cover backs and tight ends. So I think the linebacker position – is is really squared away. Missing Caden. Caden was a great third linebacker who stepped in and, and could play any position. I think that's where you start to miss him the most is the depth and the versatility of a guy like Caden Ellis. And somebody else is going to have to step up and fill that void. Yeah, and you mentioned versatility there. And just for kind of the, the layman, what is the biggest difference between kind of going from the strong side to the weak side linebacker position? 
Yeah, there, there's a huge difference. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, you look at a strong side linebacker and it's a guy who's a little bit bigger, maybe not as athletic. Got, you know, he's strong with his hands. He can play over a tight end and, and control the edge of the line of scrimmage and turn the ball back in. And you're not going to ask him to do a whole lot of coverage because that's usually not his strong suit. But he's going to be a good blitzer. He's going to be a bigger guy. And then when you look at the weak side linebacker, the will linebacker, they call him, he's going to be probably an undersized guy, but athletic, can cover backs out of the backfield, can go out and match up tight ends in the slot or outside and um, so that's usually the biggest difference when you hear strong side versus weak side linebacker the body types and what they're asked to do in the scheme of a defense Scott sticking with the linebacker group I just want to touch on a guy DeMarco Jackson uh, the team's uh, fifth round pick from a year ago got hurt in training camp we didn't get to see a whole lot of them just wondering what you know about him and what you think we can expect this season yeah he's another guy who you know they, they took him in the draft didn't need to play a whole lot usually this is this is the way Bill Parcells and even Coach Peyton always said was, you know, your first year in the NFL, you're just trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure out what it's like to be a professional football player. Can we get some reps out of you on special teams? Can you add some depth to the team? By year two, you need to show that you can play in this league. And, and that's how both of those coaches always said to us. And by year three, you need to show that you can be a starter and that you can be counted on week in and week out. So he's in year two. He had a great college career. He was one of the most productive tacklers in college football. And I think when you talk about the Sun Belt Defensive Player of the Year, um, his last year, that is a lot of productivity. That those are those are things that no matter if he can cover well, if he can blitz well, whatever his strengths are, when you amass the amount of tackles he did in college football, you know how to get around the football and tackle the ball carrier. And that's always the number one trait that you want in a linebacker. So really for him, it's just about getting reps, taking advantage of the opportunities he's going to get. Because just like we talked about with Caden Ellis gone, those younger guys who missed out on some of those reps are not going to get some chances. So, what, Scott, one of the things that I think this season that I'm, I'm interested in seeing is how, how Dennis Allen kind of develops his own kind of bag, if you will, as the head coach, obviously there's a lot of trust in him in the defensive side of the ball, but just the bigger picture. I'm just curious, what did, what did you see from him last year? What What is your kind of indication of how he can, I don't, I don't want to say improve, but just get a better handle on the head coach element of the job? Yeah, this is a huge year for Dennis. And, and I was an advocate for Dennis becoming the head coach after Sean. And a lot of it is because I saw him in the defensive room. I saw him, you know, our first year in 06 when he was just a, a lowly assistant defensive line coach. And Scott Vegeta and I looked at each other and said, man, this guy has something. Like, there was just something about Dennis. There was something that when he stood up in front of the room and talked, like, this guy's just a leader. This guy is somebody you want to play hard for. And so I don't think at any point last year the team lost uh, your trust and didn't think that Dennis could do the job. It was just – it was one of those years where we already talked about the injuries. You didn't know who your quarterback was. You brought in Andy Dalton to be the backup. He ended up being a starting quarterback for you. It, it was just Michael Thomas missed the majority of the season. It was just a crazy year and not a good year for him to be year one coach. And I know a lot of people were frustrated with him, and, and there were probably a lot of fans that probably wished he would have went in a different direction. But – I think now the the pressure now has all shifted onto Dennis because now you have the best team in your division. You're favored to win your division. You got the quarterback you wanted, the, the quarterback that you were with in Oakland when you were previously the head coach in Oakland. So you're familiar. You got to handpick your guy. All the pressure has shifted onto Dennis to, to proving that he can do it. And and I really believe that that this team is going going to shock a lot of people. And there's never been a better time to be a, a good team in the NFC. 
Talking with Saints Super Bowl champ Scott Shanley right now. Another guy to me that seems like he'd be on the hot seat as well for this black and gold team heading into this season. Offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael Jr. was a rough go last year, but there was also a lot of uncertainty with the quarterback situation. Uh, We had some wide receivers getting hurt, uh, the offensive line going down. But to me, in general, though, the the offense just seems stuck in the mud uh, for most of the year and just never got on track. Uh, there were you know, some bright spots like a Taysom Hill kind of thing. But in general, what's your take on P. Carmichael Jr.? And what do you think we can expect from the offense this year? Is it gonna, are we going to see more of him uh, go into his bag kind of thing with a, a quarterback like Derek Carr now in the mix? There's no question. And I think Pete is one of the best offensive minds in the league. Him and Sean Payton together, you know, they they changed a lot of what the NFL offenses have done. I mean, you never saw a guy come in, to, you know, they, they advanced every year in what they were doing. They, they constantly molded their offense to the strength of their team, whether it was Taysom Hill, um, the two running back sets, going back to Deuce and Reggie, and then uh, Alvin and Mark. So Pete Carmichael can coach offensive football. What I think, you know, just like last year, and I don't want to make excuses. You know, I feel like people sometimes think, well, you like Dennis, so you make excuses for him. You like Pete because you were there. But these guys are really good football coaches. And sometimes you need really good football players on the field to be playing for, for you to show that you're a good football coach. So, you know, last year was just a patchwork situation offensively. One week you were just trying to run the ball enough to stay ahead of the chains and get into third and four because you didn't have an offensive line who could pass protect and a quarterback who could throw anything on third and eight plus you weren't going to convert. So, they were constantly trying to figure out ways just to try to stay ahead of the chains and get into manageable situations where the talent that they had in the field could succeed. And, you know, once you got down by 14 and you had to throw the ball every play, you just you didn't have those guys on the field last year. Like I said, whether it was a quarterback, offensive line depth, receivers, whatever it was. So I think this year with Derek at quarterback, you were going to see the Pete Carmichael that you saw when Drew Brees was there. You're going to see the West Coast, the quick passing game, the getting the ball to multiple receivers, the screens. You're going to see a lot of variations in the offense that I think were missing last year just because they were trying to keep their head above the water. Yeah, so Scott, one of the things you said, it's a good year to be in the NFC South. And I know they did a kind of a around the NFC South segment with a bunch of reporters for the Bucks and the Panthers and the Falcons. And I think they all said the same thing, which is it's a great year to be in the NFC South. It's right there for the taking. And we think we're going to take it. So I am curious, so what, what do you think sets the Saints apart this year from the rest of the NFC South, who, you know, against all odds, feels like they are the team to beat? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you, you look at – the, the rosters you just you put the rosters on paper you put them side by side and you put them down and, and what does everybody look at first they say quarterback who's got the best quarterback to me the Saints have the best quarterback uh, Bryce Young could end up becoming a great quarterback in Carolina but he, he's a rookie uh, Atlanta's still trying to figure things out and Tampa Bay is going to find out what life is like after after Tom Brady it's going to be rough I mean that's just how it is and and like I say when you look at the rosters on paper at every position, I think the Saints have so much talent overall compared to these other teams that when you get to play these other teams twice a year, there's no reason why you shouldn't win this division. Because I was talking about this with somebody the other day about the NFC South and how going back for a number of years, it was always one of the toughest divisions. That's not the case anymore. This is a division that the Saints have the best quarterback in the division. They have a lot of great playmakers at, at a lot of uh, key positions. They have coaches who have been around the organization for a long time, coaches who have won a Super Bowl with the New Orleans Saints. And so I, I just think because of that consistency and that chemistry in the organization, that that gives them the advantage. 
Scott, I know you weren't around for a guy like Ryan Nielsen, but what does losing him to the division rival you know, mean? Is it going to come back and bite the black and gold in the buttocks? But, I mean, he took some guys with him over there. I- I'm just curious. It seems like Atlanta is trying to become the black and gold from taking Terry Fontenot, defensive line coach, players, I mean, defensive coordinator, even players, David Onyemata, Caden uh, Ellis. It goes on and on. I'm just curious, your take of now Ryan Nielsen landing over in the ATL. Yeah, Ryan's a good coach, and he's, he's, he's a high-energy guy. And I think he's going to bring that energy to Atlanta. And, and the first thing you do is when you're a coach and you go somewhere else, you want guys that you can trust. You want guys that you believe in, guys that you know. And so that's obviously the reason a lot of those guys had that advantage of come free agency is Ryan was there and Terry was there. And they, they start snagging guys. They start trying to weaken teams within their division. And so they did that. And, and you know, Terry was a, a great uh, asset inside the Saints organization. I was happy for him when he got that job over them, over there with Atlanta. But they're still trying to figure out the key position, and that's the quarterback position. They yeah. they have piece, they have players now. They have guys. Whether it's in the secondary corner, they have good players. Pitts is a mismatch. He's a, he's a nightmare. They'll get him lined up in a lot of different places, and they have they have pieces. They took the running back out of Texas, so a lot of really young, really good pieces. But they're still trying to figure out the quarterback position. Usually when you're a team in the NFL trying to figure out that position, it usually doesn't bode well for winning conference championships Scott or Devil, division championships. Scott, definitely always appreciate the time and be sure. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing you out at Saints camp for uh, some practices sooner or later. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Yep, take care, guys. Saints Super Bowl Thanks, champ Scott Shanley played 10 years in the NFL. You can hear his Saints and LSU analysis on Your View Gulf South Sports. All right, thanks again to Scott Shanley for coming on. If you want to hear more interviews like that, you can check out Steve Geller on WWL every weekday. Sometimes he's there four to eight. Sometimes he's there six to eight. Either way, he's going to be there, except for this Friday when he's going out of town and I will be alone. So you can listen to me on Sports Talk on Friday, but that's where we've been getting a lot of these interviews done, and I think it's been a good addition to the pod this offseason. Yeah, and hope to uh, be seeing Shanley out at some of those training camp practices. We'll grab him there, too. Uh, always love to see, obviously, former Black and Gold alumni showing up, and uh, always good to get some inside dirt off of them. Yeah, it is interesting to see, like, you look at the former Saints and, like, the former players of any team, and who sticks around and does the analysis, who goes on to networks, like Reggie Bush is on Fox, you know, the, the pregame show now, or no. So Reggie Bush was on the pregame show. Now Mark Ingram's doing that. Right. Sure Cam Jordan's going to end up in broadcasting. Absolutely. The question of how high he goes. Like, I think he's kind of a Michael Strahan type where he's going to just skyrocket and eventually be hosting a morning show on ABC. Um, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of funny because it's like Scott's hanging around. Lance Moore's hanging around. I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see how that works. Even some former players now, you know, coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some get into coaching. Some like or like Drew Brees and just go like play pickleball. You know, it's it's uh, it's quite a thing. Um, but yeah, Scott and you know, yeah, like Terrence Copper. I know you're gonna chat with Terrence Copper this week. He's another guy. Right. Um, it is like some of them host podcasts. Some of them go deal with college football, and then some just hang out like like Deuce and Bobby. I definitely love the guys that go into broadcasting because they're easy. Then they get it and they know what we're going through. Yeah, right, right. It's <laughs> a, a kindred spirits. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to dive into a good chunk of Madden ratings that have been getting released throughout the week. We have running backs. We don't have running backs. We have wide receivers. We have defensive tackles, defensive ends, outside linebackers, and safeties. 
And there's a lot of saints on that list, as you can imagine. So we're going to go through it. And we're going to talk about who we hate, who we like, who we think's rated too high, who we think's rated too low. And why Madden is a waste of your time. All right. Stick around and decide black and gold. back one more segment on this here episode of inside black and gold and steve do you play madden um i do just because my kiddo has it other than that i probably never would because i don't really have the time i would say the last time like i actually bought one for me is like over five six years ago kind of thing yeah I, i can't remember the last time i bought a game of madden but i have game pass i have like on xbox so yeah after a while, they'll make the newer versions of the games available. So like after like six months, I can download it for free. So that's usually how I play it. And uh, what I normally do is I download these games. I did the, I just did this recently with uh, the show, which is MLB. Uh, and I'll play it for like a couple days and I'll get like really into it. And then I'll come across the same just super obnoxious issue that was in the last game. And I'm like, oh, it's still here. And then I'll just like hate delete it and never play it again. And that's what I did with uh with the show. I'm sure that's what I'll do with Madden because there's always these same issues where it's like, oh yeah, that guy's open and you'll throw him a bullet pass and then a safety running across the middle of the field will like become Superman and like jump and spin in midair and intercept it. And like, what? Behind his back. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, like this is dumb. Why am I bothering? But I still think the ratings are interesting, even if I'm not playing it. Because, and, and so I'm Jeff Nowak, he's Steve Geller. We're going to get into this. But it's because... You know, how, how often do you get a rating, right? Like, like PFF tries to do it and they kind of do the analytics in that. But like who it's so rare to kind of see someone just go and like rank players by speed, by like it's kind of like what we did with the positions, right? Where you're just getting a lot of data points and then averaging them together and then kind of ranking it that way. And I think it is really interesting, even if you disagree with it, even if you don't play the game, it's one of the few ways you can get kind of a tangible list of like how how one player stacks up against another and so yeah that's why i like to talk about it and aaron donald is superhuman in real life and superhuman in video game world as well i think that i saw that this is like the seventh consecutive season he's got a 99 rating yeah and justin jefferson is in there if you remember a few years ago i think after 2019 michael thomas was in the 99 club yes and because it's rare you don't get a lot of those players and, I, you know, it's funny. I see people like, well, this guy needs is going to be a 94 and tomorrow Davis going to be a 96. And one of the reasons I appreciate the Madden ratings is because they are a little tougher. You know, like I think if you go back 10 years ago, you would see t- like dozens of 98s and 97s. And now it's like, yeah, there's only like, you know, Tyron Matthew is the highest rated player that we've seen on the Saints so far in these positions at a 91. And he's one of the higher rated safeties in the NFL. And I think he deserves that grade. But like, you're not talking about like, wow, he's a 96. He should be a 99. You're talking 91. Okay, cool. Um, And that's a good player to have on your team. And I think they have flattened these over the course of the last few years. And so they're more valuable. But yeah, so Tyron Matthew is the highest rated player on the Saints of this group. We don't have cornerbacks. I imagine Marshawn's going to be higher. Right. Um, We don't have running backs. There's a chance Alvin Kamara might be higher. Not after last year. No, no. <laughs> um, but between safeties, wide receivers, defensive ends, defensive tackles, 
and outside linebackers, he is the top rated Saint. And he is the second highest rated NFC South safety behind only Jesse Bates. So, you know, I think that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive when you think about it, considering he's 31 years old. He did have a rough start to the season, but he closed strong. He played in all 17 games. One of the reasons, and you, you talk about this, it's like one of the reasons he has such a high grade is because he is very durable, right? His his durability grade, let's see. I'll go find it. Yeah, like you mentioned, though, to, to see Matthew currently the leader in Madden ratings is definitely – uh, pretty funny because yeah, at the start of the year, there was a lot of folks pile on him that he had lost a step. He was done. What are the Saints doing? Oh, of course he's back in New Orleans now. He's finished. And that that definitely wasn't the case. He was like you said, he played in every single game last year. If it wasn't for him, I don't know where we would be on the takeaway uh, ratio either. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's a good player, and he's rated as such. You know, the next highest ranked safety is Antoine Winfield at 87. He's on the Bucks, obviously. Um, and then Cam, or not Cam Jordan, uh, Marcus May is at an 83, which I mean, I expected him to be a little lower than that, if I'm being honest, Me just too. because he's been hurt. He hasn't really contributed that much. But I think it does kind of show you like one of the strong positions from a ratings perspective, <laughs> from a, a Madden rating perspective is the Saints safety group. You look at Marcus May and then right under him on the Saints list, is Pete Werner, and I might flop those scores, honestly. You think give so? Pete, give Pete the 83 and Marcus the 77. It's Overall, I, I have to look at, obviously, you know, the other breakdown of, the, of you know, where the stats come in. But to me, yeah, I thought Warner had a, a definitely a more productive season. I, I know he was injured, obviously, and that might have dinged him. But so was May. Well, so, I, you know, I, I am interested in how they do this because and we were talking about this before we came on. This is outside linebackers, but there's two very different types of outside linebackers, but they get lumped together for the purposes of this. And I think the kind of traditional 4-3 linebackers don't bode well in the metrics that they're kind of grading, which is like you're not talking about a guy who's going to rush the passer all that much. You're talking about a volume tackler at the will linebacker position who's going to play in coverage. But like if you're looking in the NFL or in the NFC South, the highest graded outside linebacker is Brian Burns, mm-hmm. who is, you know, basically a defensive end. Like he's rushing the passer. He's not playing in coverage. He couldn't be an, an inside linebacker. He is only that position. So I don't know. Like I think one of the reasons Pete Werner has a low grade there is because it's valuing pass rush at a level that doesn't make sense. And it's really just kind of flattening the curve for the actual well linebackers who are doing other things, if that makes sense. Yeah, just um, trying to look over some of these stats. Obviously, some of them have nothing to do with a defensive player. You're looking at throw power, throw accuracy. But Yeah, uh, right. I think th- there is kind of a sliding scale of, of what you're looking at there. But, like, you know, let's compare, let's compare Pete Warner to Brian Burns. I was just looking at real quick hit power rating, and we have Matthew with an 85, J- Jordan also with an 85, Marcus May with an 87, but Pete, Pete Warner, an 82. That's kind of surprising for a linebacker. Yeah, and it's got 85 speed, 89 acceleration, 72 strength. You know, it, yeah, and it's it's just kind of strange, right? And then there's a lot, it's not just like tackling, right? There's like seven different types. Yeah, of it's wild. But Pete Werner's tackling grade is an 87. That's higher than Brian Burns. 
His coverage grade is going to be a lot higher. But again, it's like you're not valuing kick power in this position. <laughs> so I think that's where it's like kind of weird. And I, I do think it'd be interesting if you tried to grade Pete Werner against the middle linebackers and see how he stacks up there. But I just think this, like the, the league in general, and from a fantasy perspective, from a, from a simulation perspective, cannot figure out the outside linebacker position and how it's different. So that's like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't have an issue with his grade per se, but I think it's just kind of a weird setup. So what we can say is Cam Jordan is still getting a lot of credit in these rankings. And as he, he should, he, is, yeah. he hasn't seen a fall off. He's rated at 87, which is the second highest on the Saints. He's only in the NFC South. And that's kind of what I'm looking at here. I don't need to look at the entire NFL. In the NFC South, he is behind only Vita Vea at 88 and Brian Burns at 87, which is you know technically about the same. But yeah, so he is still among the top pass rushers in the NFC South without question. Yeah, and seeing one category, you know, I wanted to go check out. I don't know if it has to relate with injuries. I imagine it does, but toughness. And yeah, Cam's toughness is at a 92. I, I was hoping it would be in the 90s, obviously. But I'm not seeing another. Is there an injury rating? Or does that go under there. toughness? Yeah, his injury rating is 97. Okay. Yeah, it's right. It's two, It's next to toughness. So yeah, that's... And, and again, oh. like you're talking about, okay, what improves his his rating here, his, his overall number? And it's like when you have a 97 in, in this category, it's going to bring you up because that is something that is going to be valued equally for every position. Is not and just to, just a comparison, Mister. I play every game uh, compared to Mister. We wish played every game. Michael Thomas has a 70, uh, 76 injury rating, and that's generous. <laughs> I agree, and it's like, and he's getting a lot of that credit from the seasons he played before. When was that? <laughs> right. Well, because he was he was in model of health. And consistency it went in his first couple of years in the NFL. And then it's just these last three years has completely gone the other direction. Oh, he's in here as Mike Thomas, maybe? Him either. There's too many Mike and Michael Thomases. Yeah, you got to switch your name up. Sorry, Mike. So, you know, one of the interesting things is I, I was talking to somebody and they were like, I can't believe that Chris Alave only has an 84 rating. And I disagree with that. I think that's a more than fair rating. You know, Garrett Wilson also has an 84. Like if you're trying to compare two players, yeah, the teammates who came out in the same draft and had virtually identical stat lines and played very well as rookies, they're the same player, right? I, I don't have any issue with 84. Like you're, you don't see a second year player getting into the nineties in the current iteration of Madden, because it's kind of like a wait and see. You're grading off what they've done and you're projecting slightly, but I mean, I don't have any issue with that. Like I, I think you're more better off looking at kind of the, the breakdowns. But for perspective, Chris Olave is the third highest rated wide receiver in the NFC South. Only Mike Evans at 90 and Chris Godwin at 86 are higher. Michael Thomas is at an 84. And if you're looking for a kind of contemporary, Drake London is the top rated wide receiver for the Falcons. He's an 80. So like, I don't think you're getting low-balled here with Olave's grade. I think that's Madden actually giving him a lot of credit. Yeah, I'm just trying to peruse through the wide receivers and maybe look at another possible, you know, second-year guy, and I'm not really seeing anybody that's kind of stands out uh, at all. Uh, that is Dotson, maybe. Okay. Yeah, but nothing, nothing that's really like, oh, Olave should be, you know, higher than that kind of thing. You're seeing a lot of more established guys that are ahead of him. 
And Alave, they're giving him a lot of credit for speed, which is interesting to me. Because I don't know, like I know Alave is fast, but it's it's more agility than I was gonna say agility, exactly. And his agility rating is 91. His acceleration grade is 95, which I think is is correct. Like acceleration and agility is his real skill, but his speed rating is 93, which surprises me. His strength rating is only 59. And that's what I think is keeping him at an 84 uh, overall. Because you look at a guy like Michael Thomas, his strength rating is 77. Even a Drake London, his strength rating is 75. So that's kind of it's kind of interesting. The most his catch important. rating is also 95, which is probably a bit extreme. Considering I was going to say that's a tad generous right there too. So I'll take it. Yeah, because I think his hands were questionable at times last year. Adam Thielen is the top rated wide receiver on the on the Panthers. So I wouldn't say the Saints wide receiver group is Gary to a lot of teams. I don't like it just across the NFL. Like, I don't think you're going to be pointing at the Saints wide receiver group and saying, wow, what a dominant group. Like relative to, you know, the Vikings or, you know, the Bills or, you know, but you look at it in comparison to the NFC South and you're like, okay, there's the Bucks with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And then it's like, what else? Yeah. Right. Who else is, is out there? Right. Because even a guy like Drake London is not getting a whole lot of credit. And who's throwing to to the Bucks wide receivers? No, um, and I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's us, you know, in Homerville here, but maybe by the end of the season, if all goes well, I, I, I got to preface it with that. Obviously, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid sounds like a nice trio to me. But yeah, there's still way too much unproven for Olave and Shahid and the questions with uh, Thomas's health to really, you know, go on full board with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, Shahid is interesting too. He has a 74 grade, but he's also, you know, 92 speed, 94 acceleration, 90 agility. So he's got, you know, he's got similar numbers to Olave and a low strength rating. They're very similar wide receivers. And I think Madden has it correct in that. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing Madden loves uh, blocking ability is a high rating because Traquan Smith, I thought, was a little high. Traquan Smith, the fourth highest rated Saints what? wide receiver. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, slightly above Rashid Shahid, who still doesn't have a picture, and neither Chris Olave does either, which, come on, guys, get get your act together. You know, I, the other thing we could go through is, uh, so we have grades on a couple of the rookies. Brian Brzee comes in at a 71, which was surprisingly low for me. I think his, like, Injury rating probably didn't help. and uh, But then Isaiah Foskey, also a 71. You know what's weird? I'm just noticing this. If you go to, we're looking, I'm sure, the same thing here, the Madden website or ESP or EA.com ratings. If you go to the Saints and try to group all them together, yeah, Chris Olave's picture doesn't show up, but when I group him with the wide receivers, it is there. Oh, that's a strange so yeah, I don't get that. But anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot to take in here. Going down. So yeah, Nathan Shepard is a 72. The one that surprised me is Colin Saunders is a 70. Maybe I'm higher on him than I than Madden is. Um, I think Madden is probably also tough on specialty defensive tackles, which Colin Saunders is going to be a run stuffing defensive tackle, and maybe that doesn't kind of like how the will linebacker at the outside linebacker position doesn't stack up that well in the in the sense of this. I think that's probably where you got too. One other wide receiver grade that surprised me, it's pretty high. Brian Edwards at 72, James Washington at 72. You know, I think that's going to be interesting to see which one of them can make an impact if they can. Keep going down. Jonathan Abram, 71. Peyton Turner, 71. So a lot of 
defensive linemen in the low 70s. I think that's going to be an interesting question to answer throughout the season is, are these guys being a little underrated or are they actually very middling uh, from a defensive line perspective? Because if this defensive line can't make an impact in games, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a tough season, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to scroll through here and get to toughness and injury with my man Peyton Turner to check oh, that be out. Real because, well. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very well either. Uh, let's see. Toughness is an 84. That's actually generous too. It is very generous. And then the injury would be an 86. Man. Well. Yeah, uh, uh, there's definitely, for me, a lot of heat coming around Peyton Turner coming into the season. I, I need to see a lot from him this year. I'm sure the Saints and fans would agree kind of thing. But um, definitely my biggest concern for this team, just because healthy scratch last year doesn't bode well from a former first-round pick for me. Now, I agree with you completely. I will say, you know, guys like Jabari Zuniga and Lonnie Johnson Jr. getting 69s is nice. a maybe a, <laughs> a a little insulting to I don't know uh, maybe someone that's been around like a Malcolm Roach. Um, I don't have a problem really with Zach Bond at a 68. Yeah, I, th- I think it just kind of like indicates that you're talking about replacement level players, and these guys are in that range. Like Lonnie Johnson yeah. Jr. 69. What is his role on the team versus what can he do? Zach Bond, Malcolm Roach, 68, 67, Keith Kirkwood, 66, Anthony Orgy, 64, Smoke Monday, 64, uh, Kirk Merritt's at a 61. The lowest <laughs> rated player in the NFC South currently in, oh, in the fact, like we haven't had, we don't have all the positions, obviously, but of these positions, the lowest rated player in the NFC South, A.T. Perry. Mr. <laughs> Contestant Catch. 53. Which seems mean. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like they could have uh, they could have done AT a little better than that. Um, the next closest is Trey Palmer, former LSU receiver, went out to Nebraska, and this is where you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, Madden, just admit you never watched Trey Palmer play because yeah. their speed ratings. Trey Palmer is rated an 86. He wouldn't be in the NFL. <laughs> if he wasn't incredibly fast. <laughs> right. They have A.T. Perry's speed grade at 87. So, you know, like, yes, we're talking about this like they mean something. Sometimes it's just like, okay, guys, let's let's be real. They have Trey Palmer's acceleration grade to 93, which great. Also, uh, you know, just looking above A.T. a little bit, man, Kawan Baker, they, they put him at a 91 speed, which is kind of surprising, too. We haven't seen him do much. Yeah, like, and, and like, what are they grading that speed off? Of? <laughs> exactly. Like, where, where, what is your evidence for this? Like, sometimes it, it has to be random. Well, like, like, how are they? How are they measuring a wide receiver's kick power rating? How could they know? So, I think there is a level of like randomness of like, yeah, okay, just yeah, we'll just throw that in, throw that in. <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, so if you're wondering, the only 99s right now out there are Justin Jefferson and Aaron Donald. Um, which feels fair. You know, these are guys who deserve that um, that rating, I think, and they've they've proven it. Miles Garrett's a 98. Nick Bosa is also a 98. Tyreek Hill is a 98. Devontae Adams, 97. Micah Parsons, 97. Chris Jones, 96. Cooper Cup, 96. Stefan Diggs, 96. And then everyone else is 95 or lower. 
So like, yeah, again, like I said, there's not a lot of players at that top tier and the saints currently don't have any of them. I imagine, I imagine Marshawn Lattimore is going to be the one Pastor. player in like the mid to high nineties for the saints, but we'll see. And also, I'm um, curious to see like guys like Alante Taylor and Paul Nadebo. When we get into the real linebackers, probably the Mario too. <laughs> I think he will be 89. You don't think he'll be a 90, huh? I think he'll still be in that. I'll give him a 90 or a 91. Um, I think we talked about this a little too before we we started the pod. They did JT grade dirty. Uh, they don't yeah, really. Yeah, what the heck is that? Come 63? on, man. 63 overall. I mean, it's like, and it's like you would say, oh, cause he's a, cause because he's a special teamer. Andrew Dowell is 65. You think being the best special teamer would at least give you a great, like, yeah, 63. He's no A.T. Perry, 53, but. Yeah, give me give 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 my guy JT some love here. That's so lame. Yeah, definitely not on par. I I, I guess I'm I'm trying to look through some of these real quick where they don't really favor him, but like even acceleration and speed are 90. Uh his agility is an 82. Tackle, tackle 72. Yeah, I'm just curious to what metric brings him such so down. Injuries 91. Pursuit. What's his pursuit rating? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's really amazing. I, I considering where Madden is now, and you got Matt, ratings of power moves rating, finesse moves rating. Yeah, there's um, everything. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, one, one one thing I'll say for for Madden in this sense is special teams is not a factor in Madden. No, you're never using a gun. That one bit. No. No. So like it, this is very much okay. JT Gray as a safety is 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 this, um, and fine, I'll buy it. That as a safety, if you were saying what's JT Gray's safety grade, sixty three, fine. Maybe yeah. I I couldn't go into the seventies honestly, so I can't really argue over a maybe. Oh, I'd have him at a sixty five or a sixty. Uh, it's it's about right for a safety, yeah. I mean, the Saints don't play him at safety unless they have to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like that, I think the Saints would agree that his safety grade, if he was not a, if he was not an elite special teamer, he would not be on this team as a safety. So, love you, JT. S- something for Madden to work on. We're we're in your corner, JT, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, let's. I think that's going to be it. Let's wrap up this segment. We're going to be coming back. We're about a week away from the start of training camp. So the next episode, we are going to break down and rank each position battle on the offense and the defense, kind of giving you a teaser for the full camp that's coming up. But this has been another episode of Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. And you can follow the show at Saints underscore pod. If you want to adopt a dog, let me know. I got one. You're not giving that doggo away, though. Yeah, it's a fo- that's that's what she's a foster dog. <clears throat> that's who I'm talking about. Is that dog? Come adopt this dog. Who's enjoying your bed? Uh, yeah, she sleeps on the guest bed. She sleeps with her paws directly up in the air, which is Love strange. It. Steve, do you want to adopt a dog? We got one. Uh, that's that's it. I got one kid, one dog. I'm like a one person, one wife, one kid, one dog. There you go. Yeah, we have we have, we have three cats. And a dog. They're all girls. Is the dog getting along with the cats? Yes. Okay. I think she's more afraid of the cats than the cats are of her. 
Because like so like so I see him sitting there, just kind of like slowly. <laughs> I think she's been scratched before. Is my, my guess? <laughs> she's been scratched a few times. And and it but. is a new territory for her, so she recognizes this is the cat's domain. Well, yeah, and the cats have claws, <laughs> right? The cats the cats can hurt you. Anyway, right all right, on. let's wrap this episode up, and uh, we'll be back next week. And then Steve's gonna go on vacation, so I'll be coming back solo with the Monday episode. Can I find one final camp preview? And then camp starts, baby. It's like it's like the start of summer camp. And it's like content. The doors open up and we have so much to talk about. We'll, we'll finally have something that's not Madden ratings <laughs> I was and gonna say, right. nonsense to talk about. I'm so excited for that. Madden I, ratings or worrying about what other analysts are saying about this team. I'm so tired of seeing like headlines on the internet of like, the Saints shouldn't accept this made-up deal from... That 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 this other weird outlet decided was a was a trade thing, and I was like, you so you wrote a story, you wrote like a weird takedown of a made up trade request, and said the Saints shouldn't accept something that doesn't exist. Like that's what I, we're I writing. Just, I, I thought that's funny too. I just saw something the other day. What if Chris Olave was on Buffalo? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? So we are we, we are really scraping the bottom of the barrel uh, on these subjects. So anyway. Yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap that up, and uh, we'll also have Brooke Kirchhofer of WWL slash the New Orleans Football on on the next episode. So I'm looking forward to that. So check it out. All right, peace, y'all. Later.